Have you ever wondered about the wild activities that go on at a bar? Well, that wondering ends right now. Welcome to the Open Bar Talk Podcast, where host Jim Search sits down with bartenders near and far to hear the whopping tales that only a drink slinger has. So buckle in, have a cold one, and enjoy it. Hey, y'all, we're doing another one. Open Bar Talk podcast. This is a podcast dedicated to the bartenders of the universe. We interview them. They tell all their wild fucking stories, and I'm happy to talk all about it. We have a very dope guest. I'm very excited to introduce him in just a minute. But before I do that, I want to tell you where you can find our podcast, uh, openbartalk at gmail.com. Email us. Uh, send us your what were you drinking? Uh, you know, we want to see those crazy stories you've got from your timelines. Uh, please send them in. Uh, we'll get them on the air and we shout you out. Uh, open Bar Talk at all the platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. Get at us. Leave us a review. Leave us a response. Give us some life. Uh, we definitely love to hear from you. Um, you know, if you want to find us on Instagram, Open Bar Talk is a place to do that. Uh, if you want to find me, your host, I'm Jim Search. You can find me at jimsearchcomedy.com. Go on all social media, find me at Jim Search. I make branding super easy because I don't want you to struggle to find my shitty jokes. Um, but that being said, let's get right to it. Um, our guest, uh, who's very excited to have him on, incredibly funny dude. You've seen him on the Late Late Show on Comedy Central bartender i had no idea and i'm very excited to hear these fucking stories man jf harris jeff how are you sir i'm great man i'm so excited to be here yeah it, uh, when i saw you put up that post i was like oh man i haven't thought about a lot of these th- stories in years <laughs> yeah man well i uh, i don't know if that's a good or bad thing uh, a little really- column a, a little column b yeah, 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 yeah. There's, uh, you know, obviously because of this podcast, I mean, I have so many friends that are bartenders and they're just like, you know what? I block after, after the night ends, I block it out. Once that, <laughs> as soon as the night is over, it is filed away and then it is a new day. Uh, there were because... some that I blocked out during. I actually <laughs> blackout, but. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say blackout, blackout. I mean, it's a letter, but it makes a world of difference. Um, sure. You know what I mean? They're, they're two, those are two very different spaces. Um, but you're, uh, so we were talking before the podcast. Um, you, are, uh, you are not in New York. Uh, where, where are you right now? I'm not right now. I'm in Cleveland, Ohio. I'm about to play Hilarity's Comedy Club tonight. I'm in the middle of a Midwest tour right now. And then I go and do a down south tour. But I am in uh, the Hyatt, which is the, my favorite hotel in comedy. And when you asked where I was, it's the hotel you used to work at right after you graduated college. Correct. My mind was fucking blown when you told me, dude. Uh, well, you know, like I was saying before the podcast, man, the check-in was great. You know, I used to work the front desk. Five stars. Um, Five stars. They gave you a key. They uh, they didn't say your room number out loud. They pointed to it to you know let you know where you're going. Um, definitely. Hopefully, they pointed with an open palm. They didn't use a finger. That is also very rude. I'm telling uh, you, man, it, it's all coming back, dude. Um, yeah, this hotel is crazy beautiful. It's the most beautiful hotel I've ever stayed in because it was designed as like a mall in the 20s or 30s. Yep, mm-hmm. and it's just gorgeous. And People you have know, weddings in it, like in uh, the lobby. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, dude, I, there are so many wedding parties that I've fucking checked into that place. They get their picture right in the in the arcade, like right yeah. on the floor from the top, uh, the top uh, fl- uh, floor or whatever. Um, it's, it's an amazing property and I'm fucking, it's so wild. Like the story, I have stories of that fucking place, dude. Like I was... Oh yeah. my god! Yeah, look, and I was I was telling you a little bit about it uh, when we were uh, messaging. But there was a, a custodian who uh, got arrested, and his one phone call from jail was to the Hyatt to let us know he was not coming to work that day because he was in the can. <laughs> That's insane. You think you would call somebody who could get you out of jail and to call your job for you? Right. You'd think that, right? You know, I think, I, I think it's twofold. One, he was so dedicated to the Hyatt, A. I mean, he, a hotel this beautiful, how not? How can you not, right? 
And also, I think he would also have thought that um, there, it might be some bullshit involved if I'm having somebody else call. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. What? And then also, he was probably thinking like, when I get out, I still want that job. <laughs> right? Yeah, man. Look, there was a. Uh, uh, it's a. It's a. It was a great place to work, man. You know, Did I asked, the case. What happened? You know what? I don't know what happened after that. Um, I don't. I don't know if we didn't do a follow up. Like, where are they now? Sort of deal after uh, his night in the can. Uh, but he definitely was very dedicated to um, to letting I, us know. I worked overnights at a at a hostel mm. in Chicago when I lived in Chicago. Okay, and there were some wily ass people who worked there, and I have oh. no clue where any of them are now. <laughs> and I, I wish I could do a where are they now of those people. Oh, it, I mean, look, the hotel biz just attracts so much. Of, it's it's a different world. I mean, a, a very similar to the bar world, right? Yeah, I would imagine it's similar to late night kitchen staff in a bar. A hundred percent. Like you've got, there's so many backstories as to why you're there. Like what, what's brought, what brought you in? You know, there's some overlap. There's some very divergent uh, shit happening. So um, a couple years missing on a resume. Yeah. 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 There's some real brownout uh, of dates where you're just like, so I see from February, 2012 to about uh, February, 2015, nothing, just hanging, <laughs> just living it. Where, where, where were you? What was going on? Um, yeah, there's this one time. I, this it was one of the wildest things I've ever seen at the at that hotel at the Hyatt. Um, there was uh, a group of drag queens who were staying in the hotel. Like they took two rooms, I think, and they got into a fight and they trashed the hotel room. Like, I mean, that it looked like a fucking crime scene. Like, there was a fight. They like ripped the sink out of the wall. There was like, I'm telling you, it was a disaster right and they all ripped the sink out of the wall yeah like busted the sink down out of the wall uh you know the fucking uh maintenance came up they're just like what this this is i don't know what to do (laughs) i hope i I hope they weren't attached to the comedy club no 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 well sometimes comedy clubs will have drag shows yeah no 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 this wasn't hilarities wasn't even uh attached to this so but the but the other so the other like the layer to this right is like you know one of the things like the rooms are trashed right so the uh the gm i think or maybe it was was somebody maybe below him was just like all right look here's the thing like if they have a credit card down for incidentals like we're charging this card however much this fucking crime scene is well what happened was they booked their room online they like went through like expedia or something so they didn't use they so expedia will pay the hotel for the room so they have their own credit card so they didn't have a credit card on file for these people so like hotel ate it and these drag queens just destroyed a room and wow fucking fled out into the night man i mean it was fucking nuts um but shit dude i'm telling you i could go for hours about that fucking place you are but you're in a very nice hotel yeah it's the best i love it this is my favorite one in comedy i say it all the time it's yo do me a favor man uh before you leave um uh, can you take some pictures of that uh arcade for me Oh, for sure. Yeah. Please do. I, de- I haven't seen it in years. I would really love to look at that. Hey, you man. should come try do a show at Valerity's. That or the uh, door that. Uh, put yeah. in a word of the booker, man. Tell him I'm. Yeah, I will for funny. sure. Seriously, I would love to come out there, man. I haven't yeah. been out there in years, and I would love to. So to put a put a word. Yeah, in, I will for sure. Here. That'd be dope for me. I appreciate it. All right. Well, listen. It's not about me. I didn't, I, I did so much shit about me, JF. This is about you and your oh. life and your times. Uh, so you were a bartender. Uh, you said, and I don't before know. that I was a bar back. Ah, so the trajectory. Uh, I worked my, I worked my way up in the bar biz. You were, uh, you started at the bottom and then you went all the way to the top. Um, <laughs> so now, well, let, let me ask you, uh, how did you get in? How did you get into the world and what was it like? So bar backing, I got in because I was, uh, I'm an out, I'm sober now, but I was a real alcoholic <laughs> and I started drinking 
when I was like 13 and started hanging out in bars when I was like 15 or 16. Okay. I got my first bar backing job at 16. Whoa. Yeah. And there was, it was just like, there was this dive bar. It was called Moe's. Uh, and it was, uh, on like a couple blocks from my house. And we found out that we could drink in there when we were 16 and then we would just <laughs> go and like get fucked up. And I was one of those guys where I'm like, because I was in there and I was underage, I would do the, you need anything to like, cause it was these two lady bartenders who were also around our age, which is crazy. <laughs> yeah. uh, which was like a big key to my bartending career. Um, sure. So I was like, you guys need anything? And I would like go get ice or go get stuff. And then eventually I started drinking for free, which yep. was the whole scheme at that age, you know, cause then when you're drinking for free, you could step it up from like a bud to an Amstel. Mm-hmm. You know, like, when they're like, what do you want to drink? You're like, I'll take an Amstel. Cause that yep. was fancy beer to white trash Staten Island me at uh, 16, like <laughs> balling with an Amstel. People were like, he's got money. Um, I I think that. <laughs> I don't know, do they still make Amstel? I haven't Am- seen an Amstel in years. Amstel Light is still out there. Um, okay. I've, uh, I I usually get it at a wedding. I don't that's know why. Funny. That's always my yeah. wedding beer. That sounds like a wedding beer. It yeah. is. I feel like um, I feel like uh, Stella Artois came in and knocked Amstel out of that random. Is this a foreign beer? Right. Which I think Amstel Light is just a Michelob beer. I think it's I, like fancy Michelob. Yeah, it's just a nicer label. You know yeah, what I something mean? like that. I could be wrong. Um, but so I started bar backing at that bar, and I was hanging out at that bar from like 16, 17 in that age range. Mm-hmm. And that was just insane because the, the guy who owned the bar started dating one of the bartenders. And I remember like him – like us being in my friend's older brother's backyard and we were all hanging out and that guy was there and it was weird because he was a retired cop. Okay. And like, he was in a, he was like, he was retired early too. Like some shit probably went down and he got let go kind of cop. Got it. Uh, Can you, we I were, can't believe it. What do you mean? Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> and, then, and then he has underage kids hanging out in his bar and we were hanging out. And I remember him one time saying to us in this backyard, just like, I know you guys aren't like 21 yet, but I know you're like 20, right? And we were all like, yeah, we're 20. <laughs> like, it was just like, we were all like in high school. Some of my friends and maybe were like a freshman in college, but so the one of the craziest things is, and it's not necessarily uh, something that happened in the bar, but when I was a senior in high school and still drinking at that bar regularly, okay. I was walking to class and I ran into him in the hallway and I saw him and I like saw him and like panicked and like did like a 180 and went the other way. Right. He didn't see me, but he was there substitute teaching. (laughs) Yo, I was just like, Oh my God, I can't fuck this up. That's my drinking spot. You know what I mean? And when you're 16, 17, you you know, on Staten Island, you really only have like four or five bars you can kind of go to. Right, Which I guess right. is probably a lot where you're like, you know, this person bartends on this day, so we can go to that spot. This person bartends yeah. on this day, we can go to that spot. That, well, two things. Yes, um, that is like, I mean, that's kind of how, I mean, I roll. Like, I definitely have my friends who are working certain nights. Like, Tuesdays, I'm at 4th Avenue Pub. And then, you know, I got, I got, I got a little rotation as to where I go. Um, yeah, you but, pass the 20 around, as they say in the biz. Yeah, 100%. You, you know the vibes. You know the fucking vibes. Now, that's also the move if you're an underage drinker. We had a couple of bars we used to hang out at. And we would roll in there with a bunch of us, but we would all take like a $20 bill. Now okay. you probably want to do like 40 and there'd be like five of us and we'd all just throw 20s down. And then we'd just be like, take it out of the pile. And then every time they brought back money, you just grab a bunch of singles and throw it on a pile next to it and build up a big pile of singles. So you, it's just like, it looked like we were like the most baller motherfuckers, which you're going to keep, you're going to let, you're not going to be like, why the, you might be underage you're gonna be like these motherfuckers tip so fuck it <laughs> yeah exactly like it's, it's tuesday and it's slow and these guys are talking about like world war ii and drinking craft beers in like and, and 1998 also, 
Right. Yeah, totally. And like, also just like, man, I mean, I'm sure I flunked that test. I don't give a fuck, man. I'm not going to school tomorrow. (laughs) I'm hammered. I'm not going in. I'm skipping third period. I don't give a shit. It's like, period? Wait, what? Uh, I didn't hear that. Never mind. I didn't hear that. I didn't hear that. So we don't play it off like we were in college. Yeah. uh, Well, I mean, look, I, if it works, if, yeah. it, if it sells, I also I wanted to uh, just circle back to uh, the uh, cop slash substitute teacher, which is weirdly adjacent to a lot of underage kids like being in that orbit in so many different facets. Like, yeah. Dating like a 19, 18, 19 year old chick. Yeah. And like, I'm guessing what, 40, 50 years old. If you retired, he was probably, like four, he was pro- you know what? To me, he seemed really old, but now in retrospect, I bet you he was in his like mid to late thirties. He's probably like my age now. Got it. Got it. Which like, I mean, and that's the other side note too, of just like, what the fuck do you have to talk about with high school? Like, Hey, math sucks. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. And also like, that was the other thing too. Like we never worried about the cops coming into the place because of the fact that like it was owned by an ex cop. Right. So you felt like you could kind of drink there with impunity. But it was also insane because if you let teenagers work in your bar, they're going to steal everything that isn't screwed down. A hundred percent. Like there was a night when I was drinking there, not when I was working, where you know those chalkboards that you put out in front of a a bar? Yeah, like the the tent. Yeah, there was the one that was a Guinness sign that was like a full Guinness beer. Okay. And it was like half of the size of my body. And I just walked out with it one night, drunk, like, just like <laughs> Irish goodbye on all my friends and just like took that sign and dipped. That's hilarious. And my parents used it for yard sales for years. And every time they used it, somebody would stop and try to buy the sign off them. That's fucking hilarious, which would have been a hundred percent profit, by the way. Oh yeah. That, and also would have been smart at some point. I think it still might be in my parents' garage actually. Oh, dude, that's, I mean, and it's appreciated, hopefully, with uh, time. I I had so many, like, bar pint glasses. Like, my family's Thanksgiving looked like it was sponsored by Bud Light. (laughs) That's fucking, that's gold. And I, yo, I'm right there with you. I mean, like, there was definitely a, a phase, I would say probably two years out of school, uh, where like out of like high school, like in that like college sort of world where I was in bars too, where yeah, like my it was just pint glasses. I still have some, like, yeah, because like they're perfect. I mean, they're just and at, at this point, like, this is all pre COVID, so like I would never take a fucking pint glass now. Like, Jesus Christ, that is a super spreader in glass. Uh, so fuck that. Um, so. All right, so you so you started off um, sixteen bar backing, and then yeah. when so did th- good? No, so then I went away to college for a year. Uh, I left New York City. I went upstate New York for a year, and I pretty much just drank my time away. Like I didn't get an education; I just got fat. Okay. And th- then I came back, and I dropped out of school, and uh, I took I went to bartending school. Ah, okay. They actually have those. Yeah, I, I went. They, oh, you did too? They, I did yeah, one, yeah. It, it was so 80s too when I went. It was like oh, 2001 when I went. And it was like uh, run by a guy. And it was like they taught me how to make like a grasshopper and a this and a that. And it was like a four or five week course in like an actual like storefront dedicated to teaching people how to make like be bartenders. Mm-hmm. There's no way that business is there anymore. It was like straight up off some cocktail shit. Right, uh, right, right, right. And and like he would do tests. So he would give you like a bunch of orders and you'd have to like remember things. And like he had like the bottles with like colored like water in it. So you would know like, is that right kind of stuff? Yeah, and yeah, he would yeah. like time you and be like, okay, you have this much time to make this many drinks. And like I did it and I passed. And then I went around and like started giving out my resume to bars and I was 19 at the time. Okay. And, uh, I, my, I, my first, like, I had like done fill in shifts at some places, but my first regular bar job was I worked and probably my favorite one is I worked at a dive bar called Murray's, which was on the same block as Moe's. 
uh, okay. just further down the block. Um, <laughs> and it was like the diviest of dives, old man kind mm-hmm. of dive bar. And uh, it was just like, and the way I got the job is I walked in, it was after 9-11. My dad's a New York City firefighter. And I was wearing like a firefighter long sleeve for my dad's firehouse. And I gave the lady my resume and she's like, ah, we're not hiring right now. And right as I'm walking out the door, she goes, wait a minute, are you a fireman? And I go, oh, my dad is. And she goes, oh, that's crazy. She goes, my son's a fireman. And I go, oh, cool. And I already know I'm not going to get the job. And I just go, where does your son work? And she goes, oh, ladder 174 in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's my dad's firehouse. No shit. Who's your son? And she told me her son's name. And I was like, your son is the chauffeur. My dad's the lieutenant. Your son's the guy who drives my dad around everywhere. Like he's the guy <laughs> who drove the fire truck. And she was like, all right, well, we'll hold on to your resume. And maybe if something comes up, she called me two days later and she was like, do you want Tuesdays and Fridays? And Shit. I was like, yeah. I and do. so I had Tuesdays and Fridays. Yeah, man, that is very small. It's That's very like small worldy sort of thing. And like how most jobs happen. Right. Yeah, like that's like blue collar, New York, Staten mm-hmm. Island, like, and it was the kind of place where like, it was just such a dive. There was rarely anyone there and I built up my own nights. So, and it's easy to do when you're 19, 20 years old and all your friends are like 20. Right. You'd just be like, this is the spot. We're all underage drinking here, you know? And I would I'm walk through. home with like three, 400 bucks cash every night. Oh my God. And that's like, I mean, as a 19-year-old, that's a fucking dream, right? I went to Europe with that money. That's what I did with it. I saved up like six or seven grand, maybe more, maybe like eight grand. And I just dipped to Europe by myself for like six, seven months. That's crazy, dude. And then I got a job bartending over there and stayed Ah. for like another couple months. Now, what was uh, what was the what was it like there? Like, what was the difference? I'm assuming there's a difference between Europe bars and here. Um, I mean, it, like pulling pints is literally the only difference. Mm-hmm. Like that was it. I worked in a hostel, so it was just like an international crowd, and we had one dollar pints, so it was just a place where people would come to get like really fucking hammered. Which is not a bad not a bad vibe. Yeah, especially uh, when you worked there. Now, let me ask you, uh, is the myth true? Like, so do do Europeans tip? Like, that's... They didn't. They didn't, right? But but I worked worked day on, day off, and I worked for free accommodations. Oh, okay. So I worked to stay there for free and stay longer. Got it. So I, like, stretched that trip out an extra couple of months. And people would tip on occasion, but not a ton. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's obviously like that, like, I mean, you hear the stories here of like bartenders in America, at least, who are just like, these Europeans don't fucking tip. And because they're just like, no, we just don't do it. First time I ever went to Europe, I got in trouble because I went to the bar, ordered a beer, took it outside and sat down at an outside like table outside. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that they have different prices for where you sit. Different so the beer, so your beer could be like three bucks if be, you sit. If you yeah. sit inside, it's three, but outside it's five. Yeah, because you're paying for the view and the better seat. Oh, interesting. And you're paying for the waiters to come out and serve you. So like I did that, and they like got pissed at me, and I was like, huh? And they were like, they showed me like on the card. I was probably at some like tourist trap in Paris. You know what I mean? Gotcha, gotcha. And that's how they like get Yankees for extra money. They, uh, it's like their Times Square uh, trap right there, right? Yeah. And so, Oh, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Oh, well, I was going to say, so like you worked here in America, you worked overseas. What are some of those crazy moments where you've been like, I can't fucking believe this is happening? Uh, I got two. So right. one is when I worked in Murray's, which was that old man dive bar on Staten Island, we had a regular named Tommy who was a Navy vet uh, and he would just get his like check basically straight to the bar drink. He drank the dollar 25, like half pints of beers that came in the little glasses. Yep. Yeah. He didn't pay cash. You kept a tab for him in a book. And at the end of the month, his check would show up and the owner would just like basically cash it. And then give him <laughs> what he had left. And he was basically almost like a borderline kind of, like, I know he wasn't homeless, but he kind of had homeless vibes. 
Yeah. You know? But he was yeah. also like really sweet old Irish Navy vet dude. So he'd like get drunk and like sing to you sometimes, like one of those kind of guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we had another regular who was a blind dude um, and one who was like kind of a prick. And one time those two, du- I saw those two dudes, I saw the homeless guy basically fight the blind guy and they got into a fist fight. <laughs> a fist fight? Yeah. And it was like, it was crazy because you didn't know, like Tommy could barely stand up and function most of the time. And he's right. throwing, he, like watching a blind person fight is crazy because I don't, you know, it's not like daredevil. You know right. what I mean? That's the only blind person I know who's fought ever. Yeah. And he's not real. So, no. and there's like a stick involved and a dog. It's crazy. So is the dog like, I mean, the dog's probably losing his shit, right? The dog was losing his shit. The dog won the fight. <laughs> if, if, if there was three, there was three uh, uh, living creatures in the fight. The dog took dog won. Yeah. Dog if won. it was the Royal Rumble, the dog came out with the belt. Yeah, that's fu- well. Yeah, I would assume like he's the only one that can like who can function or and can see. Like he's got yeah. The dog's the only one who could see straight. Right. Exactly. Yeah. He's so he's got you know like if you do a tail of the tape like they do before a boxing match, it's just like yeah, he's got a real advantage over everybody in this fight. Yeah, the dog was also like. Yeah, it was just so insane, and I didn't even know how to break it up. Because I'm like 19. I'm not supposed to have really – I mean, at 18, you can legally serve alcohol in the state of New York. So I'm allowed to be there, but I'm also drunk. You know what I mean? It's not like I can call the cops to break up this fight, and the cops are going to be like, okay, you're – how old are you? Let's see your ID. Right. And then I'm going to get that ticket for underage drinking for myself. Yeah. And then, like, exact, and then, yeah, that fine of serving an underage kid, like, you're serving yourself, like, that's very meta, but, like, I'm assuming they would fucking nail you for something. Yeah, they would just close the bar down, probably. Or that. Also, there's probably supposed to be someone there as a supervisor who's not a 19-year-old kid. <laughs> right. I mean, they would probably, like, yeah. I, they gave me a key my first shift, told, taught me how to lock it up, and then that was it. Like... I never saw another person ever again. They trained me in one shift in a day shift. Okay. Where the owner was like, do you want to have a uh, Blackberry brandy with me? And we just, it was like that kind of place where it was like, Mm -hmm. you know, just old people. One time a guy came in and did a bunch of shots during the day shift when I covered a day shift and he left and someone was like, oh, that's the, he's a teacher at the middle school down the block. (laughs) You know, and it's like, was this like early 2000s around there? Uh, Yeah, it would have been 2001, 2002. Okay. So yeah, there's definitely just like, I feel like at that point during education, there was just, and it like, a little bit because I like graduated in high school like 99 so it was just like yeah there were teachers who got fucked up and like worked like I remember drunk teachers so like I'm not shocked that this guy got fucking lit went back to fucking teach and was smelling like fucking whiskey yeah and also the crazy like another one of those crazy things too and I know these are all like little snippets but I remember one time Growing up as a kid, I had a friend and his dad was sober, which I now know in retrospect. And then, like, I remember him coming into the bar, serving him, him being kind of a jerk, and then being like, I think that's my friend's dad. And then putting it together years later that he, like, was on the wagon, then off the wagon, which was uh, nuts. He was uh, dipping uh, dipping his toe on and off. Yeah. Which, which is probably why he's fucking surly, because, like, dry drunk is just, yeah. like, ee. So crazy. So um, I have so I have some questions uh, just to jump back to the fight. Um, yes. uh, how, why did it start? How who, how did we get there? Um, the blind guy, I think his name was Robbie. Okay, he was just always kind of a prick and would bust Tommy's balls. You you know how like barflies like to look down on other barflies like they're better than each other yep. when they're both just like. Or it's it's four o'clock. You're both shit housed. Like the only highlight to your day is playing electronic poker. 
There's, yeah, I know the exact type and I know that exact dynamic because I remember one night I was at a bar and I saw two uh, bar flies. Uh, they were both hammered and one was telling the other one that he drank too much. Yes. And I was like. Yeah, this, like picture two Charles Bukowskis and none of them can write. <laughs> That's what it was. Okay. So. They, they were just fucking, he was just like ribbing them. And then Tommy just went like ballistic and said something back to the blind guy and the blind guy threw the first punch which is very ballsy as a blind so person crazy i think he thought as a blind person someone will break this up quickly right and also it's like the blind guy was standing he had his stick and the dog to, was to his left and then like tommy was on one of those taller bar stools so like tommy had to like drunkenly get off a bar stool to fight it was like a bad <laughs> hockey fight. Sure. Because, mm-hmm. like, nobody's really connecting. It was, just, it was just a sloppy brawl. And then the dog just went apeshit once he could get around. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because, like, I, the blind guy's tied up in the dog. There, <laughs> there, that, that must have been just, like, one of the saddest, most entertaining things to really bear witness to. It was insane. Yeah, and like Bruce Springsteen's Glory Days is on the jukebox, and it's like, is it? Is it? <laughs> is this song really matching the the event right now? You know what I mean? Um, yeah, that's so fucking funny, man. It's crazy too because like I've been in that same situation. It was actually I was uh, I did a gig out in like Easton, PA, I think, um, and there was an enormous bar fight. Like there was this guy who was. Uh, hammered he kept going behind the bar like patron just walking behind the bar i'm like this guy must want to get his fucking ass beat and then they and then he did and like the staff beat him up and then there was like friends of the staff beat him up and they like it was like out of a movie like like they broke a pool cue over him and it was and then but what was playing was just like the nicest like country music it was just so soothing. I just remember hearing the most soothing country music as this guy is getting maimed at the bar. So like, that, which is funny because that's like a Martin Scorsese move in a movie. Oh, like he'll oh, put on some music that it's like you're going to watch the most violent shit while listening to Selena. Exactly, exactly. It's like you know, elevator music as someone's getting their arm fucking chopped off or whatever, right? Yeah. Same fucking energy of like, yeah, seeing Glory Days and watching like to just husks two husks of humans just fucking go at it holy shit man that's fucking wild dude now so that was murray's right you said you've worked so you said you worked for four years like on and off did you uh work in the city at all or were you just mostly on? no i was just Staten island and london that's it okay and i would and then i would like pop around and do guest bartending at like other bars on Staten island Got it. Got it. Okay. So, um, so what was like, um, so that was one of the first like stories, right. Of just like yeah. a blind man fighting homeless horse. Uh, well, potentially homeless. Which um, might be the craziest one. That is, I mean, that is by far one of the most insane pairing. Like that's like a mad libs for a I bar. Know. And I've tried to talk about it on stage once or twice. And every time it's so insane that people almost don't believe me. I, yeah, well, I mean, look, that was you pitched me that, and I was just like, "Is it really?" Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, at, at a bar. Yeah, uh, it, oh. it's so nuts. Jesus Christ, man! Now, I'm yeah, I'm still like trying to filter through just what that looks like in my head because I'm still kind of playing it of just and, like yeah, and it's also like. I would, I want to add more details, but like it only, the more details I'll add will only make it sadder. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, we already are kind of at like peak depression here. <laughs> so I, I don't know if we could scale that mountain any further of, uh, uh, of that. Yeah. Now, well, uh, so let me ask you, um, working on, uh, Staten Island pretty much, um, did you have any like, like iconic regulars that came in? I mean, other than like a blind man and a homeless person? Um, yeah, there was that. I mean, those two guys were like two of my crazy regulars. I had 
a lot of my friends were my regulars. So it was a lot of like my like high school freshman year in college kind of age friends. Like, so, and that, you know, we'd sit around and like, you know, we watched like the start of the Iraq war, (laughs) you know, like, and it's just like a bunch of like 18 year olds feeling very lucky that there wasn't a draft. Right. Getting like drunk. Which, you know, is really counting your lucky stars of just like, man, I'm be able to just sit here and enjoy a drink. It's crazy. I I feel bad for all those fucking kids they tricked into joining um, after 9-11. And then the other thing, like, there was, I had a lot of, like, dickheads because it was, like, a lot of, like, it was, like, a shitty bar. So the kind of person who would come there, like, was just... Like, my friends were the best because they were just happy to be in a bar. Sure. Right? And occasionally we would get some people who worked in the Verizon building across the street, and they were cool. But then we also had, like, a pool league, which was just, like, degenerates who just hung out in other dive bars. And uh, and there was one dude, I remember, he was such a prick. The smoking band started. And I remember him coming in with his cigarette, and he was like, what are you going to do if I start light this cigarette right now? And I'm like, nothing. I don't give a shit. Right. I'm 19. What yeah. do you think I'm going to do? And then he was like, all right, I'll go outside with it. But it was a lot of like that kind of energy. Mm. Like mm-hmm. little guys who like to get drunk and play pool and that's their whole life. Yep. And and, it, and just like real pricks about it. But I'll, I'll tell you this. We started a dart league. We started a dart team from the bar, me and my friends, mm-hmm. uh, because we were all underage. And then we could go play the away games at other bars. So we can go every other week to play at somebody else's bar. And we right. would go to like, I remember one time we went to like an Elks Lodge and played a bunch of these like 80 and 90 year olds. Holy and it shit, was like man. Old ladies and they were like smoking us. And we were like, and beers were like 50 cents each. And we were like, this is the fucking shit. And they weren't going to say anything about us being so young. Cause when they were growing up, the drinking age was like 18 or 16, basically. Right, exactly. And as far as they knew, like, it still was. Yeah, You're, exactly. <laughs> like, they probably still lived in 1952, so. Yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. And so it was just so much of that kind of stuff in that period of my life, where it was like 16, 17, you'd go to the bar, you'd, you knew the other bartenders because they knew you, and so you could get into anywhere, and you just put that $20 down, you drink all night, leave the 20 I, you know, just dumb shit, you know, it, don't bring a, bring a lady back towards my place and then being like, well, my parents live here, so you can't come in. Right. Yeah. Well, like real- dry hump in the front of my house in your car, <laughs> which is romance for yeah. you listening out there. That is what fucking romance uh, sounds like there. That's really fucking funny, man. Well, JF, listen, man, this is, uh, you've got some really fucking wild shit. Um, I have the, like the homeless, I'm calling them homeless, uh, homeless man fighting a blind person in a bar again is by far one of the, I've done 54 episodes. And the reason I love the show is that I hear something new every episode. There it is. <laughs> like, insane. And the, and the dog and the dog won, right? The dog yeah. has to win, like because. Well, I mean, is there a winner though? <laughs> like, no. in, yeah, you know, it's like that's not a uh, that's you can't you can't raise someone's arm in victory. There. <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 a draw, uh, if you want to call it that. You'd have well, to raise a paw. You have to raise you to ah yes yes I uh, as a uh, as a dad joke enthusiast I'm I'm here for that and I appreciate that so much. Well, listen, Jeff, uh, you know this has been fucking dope. Thank you for bringing your story uh, stories through here, man. Um, yeah, for sure. I wanted to uh, move into our next segment. Yeah, let's which, do it. You know, which is our uh, questions for the guest. All right. Uh, so these are five questions we ask each of our bartenders who comes on the podcast just about what life was like behind the stick. So question number one, what is the biggest misconception people have about being a bartender? What is that one thing that's just not the case? Um, I think people kind of see it as like a dead end job when right. it's really not. It's like, you, you know, you could, I knew career bartenders who made good money working in, you know, guys who worked at like 
the nicer bars in New York and Staten Island. Like you can, it's, it's a, it's hard, it's hard work by the way. It's yeah. like probably some of the hardest job nights of my life working were, you know, you got a hundred people or more in your bar. It's a, some party and you're the only one working and it's a Tuesday and you were expecting nobody, mm-hmm. you know, like those are the hard, it's hard. It's a grind. Yeah. I told, I mean, you know, and also I think, you know, one of the other things too is that like, look, the human body is not geared to like stay up until 6 a.m., go to bed and wake up at two. Like, no, we're we're not nocturnal. Yeah. Every night I'd shut the bar at like four in the morning. Then I'd go to a diner, drink coffee and eat terrible food. Yep. And then be to bed at like six o'clock, seven o'clock. Yeah. I remember what was the, I think it was Michelob, not Michelob Ultra. There was like, oh yeah, Michelob Ultra had just come out that like low calorie beer. And I remember drinking that thinking like, this will help me not be fat. And then like going to diners and eating like cheeseburgers. (laughs) Right. After your shift. Like that, this is the cure all. This is a silver bullet that's going to slim me down. Right. So. Yeah, the champagne. All right. So uh, question number two, what's the biggest tip that you've ever received as a bartender? Uh, A dude um, once was playing Powerball. Okay. uh, Or I think that's what it's called, right? Where you run the ball through the machine. Like it basically is like the lottery every couple minutes inside of it. Yeah. It's quick draw, quick draw. We had a quick draw machine and the dude ran it. He was like, hey, here's... He ran it. He was like, run it three times. And he was like, here, actually, run it once for yourself, too. And he ran it for me, and it hit, and I won 1200 bucks. What? Yeah. Holy. But here's the fucked up part. I told one of the other bartenders that, who happened to come in that night, and she worked the next day. And then my sh- my drawer came up short 1200 bucks. Shut up. So Are I basically... You- she just like stole $1,200 and because it was my shift Holy the night shit. before, they were like, your drawer is short $1,200. And then, so I had to give it back. Oh my God, man. What a bitch. I know. That is I karma. I hope. Oh, that's so yeah. horrible. That's she got horrible. a crazy car accident a couple months later. I never even thought about it. Yeah. Well, well, there you go. Um, don't steal because then things like that happen. Yeah, uh, I did the assistant manager. At, after that? Yeah, 1919. So, you know, again, just... In charge of ordering. In charge of ordering, you said? Yeah. That's it. Look, someone got to do it, man. Yeah. All right. So question number three. What is your pet peeve of a customer? What is the one thing when you when you work in the bar, don't do it at JS behind the bar? Oh God, my pet peeve is a customer. Um, <laughs> Touche. Uh, man, there's so many things that would annoy the shit out of me. I guess um, it, you know, it is about a vibe. So if you and a person pick up, if the person is open for talking or not, you know, there's some shifts you come in and you don't want to fucking deal with people, and you should be able to pick that up as a human being. Like if we're, we're having a conversation, great. But if I'm just giving you a drink and like moving on, even if there's nobody there, like right. I'm paying to serve you, not be your buddy. And usually I was a buddy. I'm like a mostly a buddy kind of bartender, mm-hmm. you know, like I'll hang out. I'll shoot the shit. Let's talk about your problems. Let's talk about how you're blind and how you, you're covered in pissed. You know, let's do those things. Let's get into it. But if I wasn't in the mood, like, yeah, if, if a bartender is not in the mood, just let him be. Or your server. The job's a grind. And you need to, yeah. So for those of you listening out there, boundaries. Yeah. Folks, boundaries. Remember, the world is reopened. We may stumble out of the block, but just boundaries. Remember those. Yeah. We're all going back into the world for the first time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Question number four. What is the one thing that you've learned from bartending? It doesn't have to be about the bar. Could very open-ended what is the one thing you've learned from bartending oh man the one thing i learned from bartending quarters add up quarters add up like your change adds up like if you hold on i saved all my change up 
from a year of bartending. And that's what bought me my flights to Europe. That's interesting. So like all that change at the end of the night, I just had like a jug in my room and I literally filled it up and I bought my plane tickets to Paris and I bought a Euro rail pass with that shit. That's crazy, man. Yeah. And like, and I think, you know, on top of that, it's also like, there's some meta, there's some philosophy there. There's like a deeper meaning of change adds up. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I get, I get like fake deep on shit like that. So I'm just like, yeah, man. Meanwhile, you're just like, yeah, I just, I bought shit. It's <laughs> like, oh. yeah. um, all right. So, uh, final question. Um, what, was your favorite drink what was the one thing what was your go-to back in the murphy's day? irish stout murphy's irish stout okay yeah i love i love a, um i love a stout beer stout beers okay yeah um was there any uh i mean would you do a beer shot with that or were you a straight yeah i would do maybe like a shot of jameson or a shot of powers irish whiskey mm-hmm. even okay. with my face <laughs> just around irish face yeah just want yeah keeping uh just uh keeping that uh uh perception alive uh yeah. right there that's funny man all right well listen those are our five questions and thank you uh for bringing uh light to you to the to your life that you had as a bartender now thank you buddy this is a ton of fun yeah well we got hey there's more there's more oh yeah there we got our, our the last segment, right? The, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. the I'll, I'll let you introduce it. Yeah, let me. Uh, I, I got this, JF. This is this is my <laughs> show. Uh, no, all right. So our final segment of the show, which is what were you drinking? Now I have an incredibly messy Facebook timeline as well as Twitter, which I can only believe that someone was drunk when they wrote this because no sober person is going to volunteer this information. I have to assume that they were drinking. Now, uh, JF, you being a bartender for some years, you have seen people drunk off of a myriad of things. So it is now up to you to bring your expertise into this situation to help us diagnose what were they drinking. Uh, now, listeners, uh, also, before we jump in there, I want to say uh, openbartalk at gmail.com. Email your screenshots of Facebook posts and Twitter posts. Uh, get those read on the show. We'll shout you out. Obviously, we will redact the names of those who I'm reading. But, you know, it is your chance at fame. So email those in. Uh, so anyway, jumping right back in to what were you drinking? Jeff, I'm going to read this post and you tell me what you think they were drinking. Here we go. I just received the best call in the history of my life. I am free. No more probation. What, what were they drinking when they wrote that? I mean, to me, that's almost, I know the theme is what are they drinking, but I hear that. I'm like, Oh, that's a dude who just found out he's off probation and he's high as fuck right now. He's like, I'm going to piss test no more. Mm. I'm going to smoke a blunt and okay. then I'm going to tell everyone that I'm high. There, say, hey, look, I, this is very open-ended. If that is what you see as a life experience person, who am I to say, you know, you have your own perception? I'm not going to take that from you. I mean, other, I mean, that, yeah, uh, that's a hundred percent what I see. Like if you get off probation, weed's legal in New York city. Now you're sparking up a blunt. Okay. All right. You well, have to be high to, put yourself on blast like that yeah yeah you know what um this is the first in the 54 episodes we have a what were you smoking which we uh who who'd have thought this is why i love doing the show is that i don't know what people are going to see and when it happens so a blunt the first this person was smoking a smoking a split a white owl a white owl, a white owl. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what uh, i used to smoke a backwoods uh for those out there you know there's uh there's ways to get there so well listen jf thank you so much for bringing your insight uh into our first what were you drinking slash smoking uh in, thank in you this, in this uh, also i gotta say that backdrop the whole time all i've been wanting to say is wu-tang forever and a guy from Staten island new york 
Look, I'm uh, I'm appreciative of that. Uh, Oriel Ceballos is a street artist. I want to shout him out real quick. Uh, he's a guy who uh, put this all together, um, and I can show, awesome. you, show you a little bit. Now, sorry, listeners, you're just going to have to uh, – well, actually, if you watch the promo check video – Check YouTube. Yeah, I was gonna say, uh, you know, you do that. You can also, uh, when you see the promo video, you'll see, uh, you'll see what I'm talking about. See, we got all the Wu Tang up in there. You we know got what the I mean? The Jizz, the old dirty bastard. You got Inspector Deck, Ghostface Killer, and the M E T H O D Man. Mm-hmm. Which Method Man's hair looks like it's coming out of the top of your hat at the moment, or it did yeah. just a second. Yeah, there you go. You got a little. Uh, see, there he is, right there, and like right, yeah. right behind me is uh, there's Ghostface. Got Got, got, yourself right there. You got yourself a shorty. Mm-hmm. About to go and stick it. Yeah. I mean, if truer words are spoke, I've never heard them. I've never heard truer words. And also right there is uh, Riza's book, The Tao of Wu. Oh, nice. I've never read that. I should. Yeah. Give it a whirl, man. It's a, it's a good book. Russell Crowe yeah. bought, uh, like, I think it was like, I don't know, like 50 copies and just gave them out because he was like, this book has changed, changed my life. So. There you go. That's incredible. There you go. Um, so, JF, uh, before we get out of here, um, you know, is there anything you want to plug? I'm going to be in the South touring um, after, what do we got, the 18th. Um, I'll be in, oh, actually, May 18th, I'm going to be running my hour in L.A. So if you want to go see that, um, you can check out my, go to my website, jfharris.com. JF is like the initials. And I'll have all my tour dates there. And then I'll be, after that, I'm going to be in uh, Florida, where I tape my special on June 12th in St. Petersburg, Florida. If you want to come to watch me tape my hour special, if you're in Florida. Uh, And then I'll be in Alabama, Texas, and Louisiana, running up to that date, uh, if you're in the South. And then, um, yeah, that's all I got. Well, that's that's a lot. At the JF Harris, the same as this little thing here. Um, Yeah, I put up four or five clips a week, uh, and I'll have a special out later this year. That's awesome, man. Congratulations, man. We are open bar talk is looking forward to the to uh, to seeing that and seeing uh, seeing you shine bright. Uh, Very dope, sir. Uh, So uh, that is going to do it for us. Uh, Openbartalk at gmail.com. Once again, if you want to email the show, openbartalk on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you find podcasts. If you find them under your car, find them there. Uh, That's where Open Bar Talk is going to be. You know, rate, review, subscribe. That is how people find out about the, uh, the show. So by all means, go ahead and do that. And again, I'm Jim Search. Uh, you can find me at jimsearchcomedy.com. Uh, you can go on all social media, find me at Jim Search because branding is super important. Uh, JF, once again, thank you so much for hanging with us, man. This is dope. Thanks for having me, buddy. I appreciate it. It's a, really, it's a good time, man. Now, listen, uh, for all y'all out there, again, we appreciate every single person who listens to the podcast. Y'all are so dope. Uh, make sure you put a water between each drink, and we'll catch you on the next one. Peace.